This is Asian Miles Apart. I'm Regina in Hong Kong. I'm Pin in London, and I'm Crystal in Singapore. Welcome to this week's episode where we take a walk down memory lane. You know the saying that university is the most defining moment of anyone's life, and I must say that it is definitely one of the most rewarding and defining moments or experiences in my life. For me personally, uni became some sort of a stepping stone where I moved from a kiddie kid to a full-fledged independent human being capable of functioning on my own. And what's funny is that I've never actually thought of going to university. All I wanted to be was to be a classical mm. ballet dancer. Oh. And so university never really, mm. exactly, yeah, never really popped into my mind. So I think it would be nice to talk about what led us to want to go to university or not want to go to university. And then we can talk a little bit about what happened at university or what didn't happen <laughs> at university. Oh, to be honest, it has never occurred to me that I would not go to university. I think to me, yeah, it's just same. like a natural. It's just mm. like a natural path for everyone. Like after high school, you go to do a level, and then after that, you go to university. I think that's just something that I thought like it's a it's a natural human being thing to do. Like when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you always known or thought that you would be studying overseas? Or was it more just the fact that you'll be going to mm. university but it's a bit unsure as to where, you know, whether you'll be staying in Malaysia or whether you'll be going to like the UK or somewhere else? Yeah, for me, I never, you know, I never planned where I'm going to be studying because it was my parents who was planning for myself and my sister. So my sister went to UK to study A-level first. And then um, my parents just sort of say, okay, like to be fair to both of you, I will send you to study in the UK mm-hmm. as well. So I was like, okay, fine. I, I'll go to the UK to study as well. But <laughs> to be honest, if yeah. my parents had said, yeah, we're going to send you to KL to study or we're going to send you to Singapore to study, I'll be totally fine with that as well. It has never been mm. like an aspiration for me. But obviously I felt really fortunate to be able to, you know, study overseas in the UK. What about you guys? I think similar to you, I've always known that I wanted to go to university, but also I've always expected that I'll be going overseas. I guess maybe it's similar in the sense that because my brother went overseas as well, although he went to Australia, but it's quite funny because I've always kind of aspired to go to either um, the States or the UK, just because I feel like, oh, it's like a far away land, you know, it's much further, like, basically, and I'll be, like, so independent, yeah. and it's, like, so cool. You know, yeah. when you're, like, 15, you're like, oh, it's, like, really cool, you know, I'll be one of those people, like, in the States, or, like, in London or something. So, yeah, I've always thought that I'd go overseas, and I think my parents also sort of indicated that as I was growing up, that they'll send me overseas. So it was actually something that I was looking forward to, Although personally, I actually ended up in the UK earlier than I Mm. had expected because I thought that I was going for university, but actually I sort of ended up going there, well, coming here actually, I'm in the UK now, coming here to do my A-levels. So yeah, it was all sort of by chance because we went to this education fair and there were a few colleges Mm. that were doing A-levels that were there and then we just sort of started talking to someone and the ball started rolling and then I just ended up coming much earlier it was a very last minute decision as well so yeah it all happened very quickly for me yeah it's good that you did that because that's where we met each other right in a level yes. in the uk 
Otherwise, your paths will never cross. Exactly, exactly. But Crystal, you mentioned that you've always wanted to be a ballet dancer. What what changed? Yeah. How did you change your mind from a like, ballet dancer to studying in university? I, I would say I actually quite strong with my opinions and what I wanted to do since young. I remember when I was four, I had a picture of me wearing my cousin's oh. ballet attire. So, um, yeah, in my mind, I was like, okay, I, I just want to be a classical ballet dancer. I wanted to uh, be on stage and stuff. And then right till when I was 17, it all, I mean, there were multiple factors. One of it was, it was SPM year. And my mom was like, okay, if you want to go to private college, you will need to get at least eight A1s for your trial exams. And I took 11 subjects. So, And, and to, to be fair, I've never even gotten like five <laughs> during any of the exams. So it was a tough call. But I was like super motivated. I was like, oh my God, I want to go to private college. Like it doesn't even matter if I do ballet or not. Just the thought of being <laughs> in a private college, getting to wear my own clothes, no more uniform. That's like so exciting mm-hmm, for a 17-year-old. Yeah. So that was like oh. one of the factors. And then the other one was, I think when I was around 16, I went to this tuition teacher. I told him, I think I told a few teachers actually, they were obviously like ask, you know, what's your uh, ambition? And I would always say, I just want to be a ballet dancer. And they'll be like, that's so stupid. And at that point in time, I think when you're 16 year old, you're mm. just so impressionable. And what, yeah. are you trying to say I'm stupid? I'm pretty sure if yeah. I wanted to, I could go yeah. to university too, you know? So that bunch of thing kind of all meshed up together and then I just told my mom I don't want to do ballet anymore because I just feel it's not worth it I don't think I'm good enough to be a performing type of dancer I'll end up being a teacher which is not what I want and so kind of realistically it's much safer to place my bets on education as opposed to like dancing well, I, I think it's crazy how like two tuition teachers can undermine your ambitions. Yeah. yeah. And then totally change your career path, basically. Uh, I think that's just very stereotypical kind of Asian mentality. Yeah. Right? I don't know whether it's better now, but you know, like how it's sort of instilled in us that, oh, you know, go down the traditional route, do something that leads you to some sort of profession, arts and yep. this sort of things are not really encouraged. Yeah. And actually, yeah. speaking of mm. what... Uh, you wanted to be when you were little. I've actually always wanted to be a teacher when I was very young. Mm. Like, honestly, like, all I wanted to be was a teacher. And when I was four or five, like, for a few years, I had this imaginary class, and I was, like, this teacher. So when I'm at (laughs) home, I would have these huge notebooks that my dad got from his company. Oh, your teddy bears. Yeah, and then I had, like, imaginary student names in the class register. And then every morning, I would take through it, be like, oh, this is a good girl, she's in class today, and this this one is not in class today. (laughs) And then I was like, start teaching. So yeah, I've always wanted to be a teacher. And then a lot of people told me, like, oh, you know, teachers don't get paid a lot. Oh, yes, I hear that a lot too. Yeah. I just somehow bought into that. I was like, oh, okay, I don't want to be a teacher anymore because, you know, one day I want to earn a lot of money. Then if I become a teacher, then I don't have a lot of money. Then how? Then subsequently in high school when they ask us to fill in forms, like, you know, your ambition or what you want to be. I always say businesswoman. I have no idea what that meant. (laughs) 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 It's just a term that sounded very cool. I was like, wow, businesswoman. Okay, yeah, yeah, I want to be businesswoman. Yeah, I I, I also remember those forms (laughs) that you were mentioning. Like, they were always, I don't know what kind of form, but right, they they would ask you, like, what's your ambition? I always think twice before I write down, like, belly dancer. Because I I, I don't know why, I just feel so judged. I don't know, I just felt like this sense Mm. of barrier, like, how it can change our pathways, so to speak, all these you know, outside yeah. noises. I actually have very similar experience to both of you. So I think all of us 
we had a different ambition when we were growing up. And then suddenly at one point, yes. it just all changed when you have to choose your path, which is really yes. strange because like you've always been dreaming the whole thing. And then suddenly when you actually have to choose it, you choose something else. That's what happened to me because when I was growing up, I always wanted to be a TV news anchor. <laughs> that was like my biggest dream. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, I think uh, when I was younger, my interest was really in like the performing arts. I took part in a lot of like speech competitions. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy being like the MC for a lot of like events. Yeah. So I've always been interested in this field of like media communication and like journalism. For some reason, when I was like 16 or 17, when we actually have to choose our path, and there was this basically one day that changed my entire <laughs> career path. Exactly. <laughs> it was when, because uh, we have this thing called morning studies in high school, where we have to like mm. read newspaper mm-hmm. and then like write down headlines or something like that. Then I saw this news about this famous female architect. Her name is um, Zaha Hadid. And then uh, the news was about Ooh. how she's like one of the very few women in this construction industry. And she's like a very successful architect. Mm-hmm. There were obviously a lot of like emphasis on the fact that she's a lady and it's very yeah. rare that she has this profession. So I think when I was younger, there was this like burning desire in me that I want to be different. I want to be like non-conforming. So like reading that mm. news made me feel like, oh, she is so cool. I want to be like her. Yeah. And then with that, plus the reason of like what Pin mentioned earlier, there's this like stereotypical Asian path where you think that okay, you will have to be like studying professional degree. So like architecture is one of them, like doctors, lawyers, accountants. So I thought like, okay, you know what? If I were to go for like a journalism course, maybe I wouldn't be earning as much money. I'm better off studying architecture. So yeah, and I, I might look cool, you know. <laughs> so it was just that. Then suddenly, uh, you know, now 10 years down the road, I'm an architect. So yeah, well, you're doing this podcast. So your, your partial <laughs> dream of being a news anchor kind of working out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that also came to my mind when I was thinking about this story. Isn't it quite cool that you ended up working at Zaha Hadid's office in London. It was just crazy because like, I didn't realize it until after I joined the company and I was thinking, you know what? How I started this whole thing was because of Zaha Hadid herself. And then now I'm working for her. To me, it's just like mind-blowing when I realized that and I was like, wow, like I've come a long way. Was it easy for you to choose because you mentioned it's because it still went to the UK, right? Was it already? Did you already have the location in mind when you, like, yeah. where you want to study? That, that's pretty much it. I mean, because my sister went over to study in Croydon, the same college that I went to. For me, it's just like, okay, I'm going to go to the same college as well. Because I went to the same high school as my sister. <laughs> oh, so it's like, sort of right, like those, right, right. the little sister will be following the elder siblings path. And uh, that's what happened to me. So when you guys applied to university, you know we had to write a personal statement, right? Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, so for those who... I guess, didn't actually apply to a UK university. You have to basically write a personal statement, which is a common document that you use to apply to all the universities that you apply to. And you need to say, like, you know, why you want to apply to this uni and why do you want to do this course, that sort of thing. So I think Regina and Crystal actually dug out their personal statements for the purposes of this episode. So do one of you want to read out an excerpt of what you've written? Maybe Regina first. I, I think Regina mentioned that it's funny, right? So mine is a bit too deep. Oh my god, <laughs> mine was so painful to read. Like, because basically what happened was that I logged into my Hotmail, because like back then we used Hotmail, right? 
I log into my Hotmail and I type personal statement and like the first thing that came out, I was, I read it and I was like, hold on a second. This is, is this my personal statement? Because it sounds ridiculous <laughs> and it sounds like a joke. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I can read you basically the opening. Okay, go yeah. for it. And I, I have to say, right, this is like my first draft. So I have first draft and a final draft saved in the email. So let me read you my first draft. Since I was young... I have great passion for art and design. I am extremely grateful to God for being blessed with good creativity skills. My talent in drawing was unearthed by my mother and there was no looking back ever since. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying here. When I read it all seriously, I was like dying of laughter, but... I have to say, so I wrote this personal statement and then I um, showed it to my ex-boyfriend back then, who was my boyfriend back in high school. So he was like helping mm-hmm. me to edit it. I mean, by the way, he's like a staunch Christian. So, I mean, now that I look back oh. at it, I did not see how problematic it was that, you know, I was writing lines like this in my personal statement, but I, yeah. I was so <laughs> shocked. I'm just so glad that what I did next was that I showed this personal statement to my sister Basically, what happened was that she completely taken these lines out <laughs> from my personal statement. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say the God thing was a bit... It was so problematic. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was weird. I mean, like, I'm just so glad that no one else have to read this apart from, like, my sister and, yeah, my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> oh, no. Mine was, uh, I think, a bit more serious. Because I wanted to do... Well, I did law. So, I think generally law is quite competitive. Um, so, let's see. Let's read mine. Understanding the complexities of law has always been an aspiration, which became the initial driving force behind my decision to read law as an undergraduate. I have always been fascinated by the intricacies of law and its ability to permeate every aspect of society. It's very serious, not very interesting, to be Mm, honest. Yeah, it just sounds like the kind of personal statement that you would write for, I guess, a law degree or a finance degree, right? I think the good thing is uh, probably it's very law-y. Uh, as yeah. it, it's good, like, it's yeah. very, can I guess, tell that I'm into law. How about you, Pin? How did you decide that you wanted to do the degree that you did in the end? Yeah, it's kind of an odd process because I think initially, and this was in high school, for some reason, people told me like, oh, actual mm. science is a very good degree to do. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll do that. And then, and I actually can't remember how, but it sort of switched to accounting. Actually, it didn't switch to accounting. So I think this was a mistake that I made when mm-hmm. I applied to universities. I actually applied to three different courses. Mm. So I think I applied for economics, accounting, and actual science, depending on the uni. Yep. So my personal statement was a bit iffy because it had to somehow touch on all three, but I think it's not yep. focused enough on one. So yeah, I think my advice... I'm not sure any, like, 70 years olds will be listening to this, but if anyone is listening, <laughs> I would, you know, advise people not to do that. Like, choose one, maximum two, and they need to be very close that you can mm. substantiate in your personal statement to have, like, yeah. a strong one. Because I think if you, like, try to spread it too much, it really is not worth it. So, yeah, it was, like, yeah, I have to say my uni applications did not go very well. I did get an interview at Cambridge, which was quite nice. It was very daunting. And I actually say I have to say it right. I wish I had more, like, training on that. Because I feel like if I had a bit more guidance on it, I could have actually done well. I don't know, lah. I mean, what's the point of saying this 10 years later? It was a good experience, but otherwise it was, yeah. 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 It's really, like, the questions that they asked were, like, very different. They asked about, like, the public transport system, because I applied for economics. Hmm. 
and they were like, um, like how do you think you can improve that and that sort of stuff? So like you oh, really wow. need to be like very like critical thinking. I was like seventeen, like seriously. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like if you ask me what to eat, you know, when I was seventeen, I don't even know how to answer. <laughs> how can I answer about transport yeah. system? Oh my god. <laughs> Mm, but the funny thing is, like, um, I didn't really actually... My parents actually didn't want to even send me for three years, to be honest. Um, oh. Yeah, they only wanted to send me for... Because in Malaysia, right, for law um, degree, there's actually a lot of training programs. So at one point, they were thinking, oh, Crystal can send you to help university. <laughs> then I was like, I was quite happy already. That I was like, mm. what, from don't need to go university to going to private university to, like, going to two plus one? That's a great... Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, mm, and then in the end, mm, yeah, lucky enough to go for, for all three years. Lah. So, all is good, I guess. What university did you get in the end? Um, basically, UCL rejected me, and then I got uh, Bath Manchester. And then Cardi, for some reason, I think mm. I did not reply them. For architecture courses, you have to submit portfolio after, Ooh, wow, okay, wow. after you apply. I don't know why, I think I was, just wasn't interested in Cardiff, and I didn't reply them. Um, so then I got offered from, from mm. Bath and Manchester. So how come you chose, yeah, how come you chose AA? I, I guess I chose AA because like it's very reputable in the architectural field. Mm. I think the next reason is because my sister, she was going to move to London to do her bar. And I thought it would be nice to be in London together with her. My first year in London, I uh, shared a flat with my sister. Oh, I remember um, that flat. Which was like, yeah, a very nice experience. Yeah, so yeah, I'm glad I went to AA. It's nice, but I've always felt like, that. oh, it would be nice to have a campus experience because I've never experienced that. I feel you, yeah. Yeah, but then I guess like different university has different like culture, right? Mm. <laughs> I'm guessing like your own university would have a very specific culture. I'm guessing it's a lot more career oh driven, God. right? Yeah. yeah, what was the experience like for you being in university? Okay, my university it is insane, okay? <laughs> insane with a capital I. Because <laughs> I remember within the first three mm. months, I already went to like a multitude of career fairs. It's just added pressure, I feel. Apart from all these career-driven stuff, I think everything else was... In a way, it's okay, like, I think, gave me the motivation to yeah. want to find jobs. But I don't think it's a very healthy thing. Yeah. How did you feel about being in classes? Because obviously, coming from Malaysia, you come to this... Suddenly, you're being thrown into this deep end of being with people from a very international background. Mm. How, what was your experience like? Yeah, so... Because I did law at uni and it was... I, I don't, I'm not sure how it works for your courses, right? But for law, and I didn't know this beforehand, it's basically very conversational-based. So, uh, ignore lecture because lecture is lecture, but when you go for classes and tutorials, mm. I remember <laughs> one of... like You know Asians? I was damn shy. I don't understand half the, the, the <laughs> accent that's coming out of their mouths. I was struggling to understand the yeah. questions. And... They would just show question after question after question and they would ask you quite difficult questions. What's your perspective on euthanasia? What do you think? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, wow. And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. And I can't, but some people can go uh, on for like 10 minutes giving their opinion. Yeah. yeah, no, that reminds me actually. So, I mean, I kind of got a taste of it when we were doing our A-levels, but I remember in, what do you call it, tutor sessions, tutorials in university when it's like a yeah. smaller class. I mean, just being Asian, right? I've never really asked my teachers a question in class ever in high school. Oh, same. You know like how people say raise your hand and ask a question? I mean, it was like a very nice concept to me, but it wasn't something that I ever <laughs> did, right? If I want to ask a question, I'll just ask same. my friends secretly or something like that. But then I was super shocked because like when I was in tutorial class, 
they were like, also, any questions? And then people would actually ask a question in front of class. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is this person doing? Why is he <laughs> yeah. asking a question in front of yeah. everyone else? It was just so f- fresh and yeah. like a very different concept to me when this happened. Yeah, I remember that if I think back, right, when I was young, I was actually quite outspoken. So I'm actually the person in class who like to raise my hand <laughs> and answer <laughs> questions. I'm the annoying one. Like, You're the one. Yeah, I'm that kind of girl. And then when I actually go to university, I'm being surrounded by people who are like thousand times even more vocal than me. And I think like part of university is that they want to train you your critical thinking. You have to basically argue your points and not just say things, you know, just because you think that way. Like, why do you think of it that way? So I think like the why and like all this, it's just kind of make me feel like, oh my God, like stop asking me questions, stop asking me to think. <laughs> yeah. And I think you are right because right, I feel like the mistake that I did in my first year of uni, coming from an Asian education, right, we get spoon-fed a lot of information. So when we read things mm. or we memorize things, it's all very literal. We don't think deeper like what's the so what. Or what's the why or the how? No, it's it's true. I think our education back in Malaysia doesn't really it, it doesn't place a lot of emphasis or on encouraging people to think critically. It's more like this is the right answer, memorize this mm. and you'll do yeah. do very well in exams. Which is probably right, but I think it doesn't yeah, it doesn't develop like a different kind of skill set that you actually need. Uh, and I think we talked about this probably in our other episode about living in the UK, right? Because even now at work, I mean, I'm much better yeah. at it now. Like, I, I wouldn't say a lot better, but I'm definitely slightly better. Because people, like even my bosses will like to ask me, what do you think, Pin? Or do you agree with this? And in my head, it's like, well, <laughs> you're the boss. Like if you say it's this, I'm not sure why would I think further and try to challenge this. Like this is really not in my nature at all. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Particularly in the architectural and like the design industry as well because there's basically no black and white like it's even more severe right, when it comes to design it's yeah. like you have to argue your point is this better or is that better basically there's no right or wrong answer yeah both are good so i guess they try to want to make you think in a way that you have to come up with like a set of arguments to come to your conclusion of why are you designing things this way if i were to think that my university life was actually pretty tough architectural school is just like very notorious for the culture and because it's project-based, we have to produce work every time we go for tutorial. And we have like two tutorials a week. So pretty much it means that we have to be working every single day. And then we have to go through like presentations. We, we call it creeps, where you have to pin up your work on the wall and then present it to a room of people. Wow. And these kind of presentations really train me to be very thick-faced, I tell you, because the feedbacks are so brutal. Yeah, what were, speaking of this, what were some of the critical mistakes that you think you made during your uni years or things that you wish you did differently? I guess I wish I had um, put in more effort to make more friends on my end. So I, I felt like I didn't actually make mm. a lot of friends or met a lot of new people when I was in university. I mean, it still turned out fine for me and I'm very grateful because I met a few close friends while I was there. But yeah, I think part of it was because... In my first year, I spent a lot of time Skyping my ex-boyfriend because I was in a long-distance relationship. So I was sort of very stuck-at-home kind of person. And I wish I had sort of gone out and like maybe tried more activities, Mm. maybe, you know, be more active in like Malaysian clubs or something and get to know more people. Which I think is very important, right? Because the more people you meet, the more new experiences you will come across as well. Uh, And I think that's all part of uni life, right? To me, at least. So 
yeah, I think that's one thing I wish I had done differently and really just appreciate the time when I was in uni. I felt like I didn't feel that way. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm probably similar. It would have been much better to expand my network for two reasons, right? One is I think I shouldn't stick to Malaysians or Singaporeans that much. I wished I kind of stepped out of that boundary, I guess. But to be on hindsight, I think if you if I were to be thrown into the deep end again at that age, right, I think I would have just still done the same thing. Because when you're far away from home, it's a bit hard mm. to want to do everything differently. And and then the, the second thing, I think more practically in terms of making friends, is that you don't realise that these friends are actually very important resources <laughs> when it comes to how to study for exams. Mm. I think it's quite important to not just keep sticking to the same group of people, like trying to make friends in your department, outside... I feel like if I were to look back, right, I feel like my error was done even before joining university because it's actually like an internal debate for me for a long time whether or not Mm -hmm. I've picked the wrong profession. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure this is like an internal debate for a lot of other architects as well because if I were to think back, right, during my whole 10 years of trying to become an architect, I've been through so many different conversations where Mm -hmm. people who have been there telling me that, you know, it's not too late you can still stop here. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to be an architect. Like, it's a really difficult profession. Uh, it's going to mm-hmm. be really tough. It's a tough time ahead. The hours are going to be long. When you, Even when you're working. Um, my, I mean, my hours when I was studying was, like, horrendous. Yeah. So it's almost like to become an architect, you have to, like, go through all these hurdles and yeah. all these hop- obstacles where people telling you that, you know, you should stop. It's not too late. And actually, now that I've become an architect, and when I see people who are studying... <laughs> or interns who are coming into Don't my office oh. I, I say the same thing and you know yeah. what it's, there's a reason why people are advising other people not to become an architect but having said that I did learn a lot of like useful skills when I was in university that are very yeah. helpful in like developing my career whether or not it's going to be architecture or like in other design related field I do mm-hmm. think that my job now is sort of a creative outlet for me I'm quite fortunate in a way that I can do something that I, I think is uh, enjoyable so yeah, I mean, tough times aside, what would you say is the highlight of your uni life? I think the highlight for me is probably getting to know people who are more like-minded. I think it's also important yeah. that I had mm. the opportunity to experience things outside yeah. of what was the norm. At university, I was really kind of thrown into the deep mm. end and then it kind of developed my personality more, my mindset more, having more opinions is fine. Yeah, I would say that some of the more memorable times were when we had like our field trips every year. So those were the memorable ones. Uh, I would say it's very drastic. Yeah. Like there's that very good time. There's also like very crazy, like working all nighter kind of time. Yeah. I guess like going through the environment for so many years, when I was in my final year, I felt like I could do anything super quick. Like my time management for all my work was really good. So it's like really good training for working in an office or so. Uh, what about Pin? Pin, what's your funny stories? Um, I'm not sure I have many funny stories, but I would say like in terms of highlights and funny moments, I would say similar to Crystal, I think the freedom, okay, maybe less so freedom, but maybe learning how to be independent because although I've already been in the UK for 18 months before that, I was staying with um a hostess, right? So she cooked for me, she did mm. my laundry for me and all of that. But then uni was actually the time where I first lived by myself and it was Mm. even trying to manage 
your own accommodation is a whole new thing, right? Yeah, because, you know, sure. you need to, like, start cooking, washing up, just cleaning. And so, yeah, it was really when I started understanding, like, oh, this is like, quite a lot of work and really trying to be independent, I think. But, yeah, any any tips for uni students who are still in university or people who are going to university? I would say, yeah, just, just be yourself. <laughs> Take it easy, to be yeah. honest, in any circumstance. Uh, whether it's making friends, studying. Yeah, studying is not everything. So um, it's also a lot more about the university experience. So make friends and then join clubs, join organizations. Yeah, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to seek new experiences. I think that's what uni life is all about. It's a great time when you're like 18 or 20 or whatever to be doing these things. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, share it with your friends and follow us on your favourite podcast players including Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Do leave us ratings and reviews and we would also like to hear from you. So do drop us any questions at asianmilesapart at gmail.com. Lastly, if you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram at asianmilesapart. Bye!